imagine actually having a team of Galton, Miedema, Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second minute, I've never scored a 90 second minute winner, I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Ross Hamilton is back with us on the show. He's an independent rugby performance analyst working with BT Sport and he's also formerly worked with Saracens and England as an analyst as well. Ross, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, can I just ask, first of all, when you're looking at the statistics and trying to, uh, I guess, get a picture of where Ireland are at at the end of this year's Six Nations, what do the stats tell us about Ireland's style of play? Yeah, they're really clear for me, which I really like. Both France and Ireland, for me, had really clear, distinct styles that they both stuck to. Everybody knew what they were about. Very different as well from one to the other, whereas England and other teams didn't really have anything to hang your hat on and you couldn't really tell what they were doing necessarily. So Ireland's was huge. And Ireland, uh, just sort of from the top for me, is all about pressure their own pressure that they can exert on their opposition and limiting pressure that they receive from their opposition in defence. So I've got a whole range of stats that sort of can take us through sort of from start to finish their sort of style of play and how it all links and how it all flows through. Um, So there's a fair bit. I'll try and sort of keep it fairly brief. But Ireland averaged the most amount of possession time in the whole competition, had the most carries, made the most metres, the most breaks, the second most defenders beaten and offloads, the most passes. But one thing that's changed about Ireland in this sort of new regime under Andy Farrell for me is they also made the most mistakes. So I think they were happy to keep the ball, play with it as much as they could, put pressure on their opposition. If they made a mistake, that's okay because they have so much possession and ball in the first place. And they'll just get it again and they'll just go again. And I think that's very different from a Joe Schmidt era. To follow on from that, something that's been talked about so much in this Six Nations, including from myself, and we did this before, is, is ruck speed. And ruck speed is so important because it maximises that pressure on the opposition. When you have a ruck, you have to get back on side. And if you can't do that in time, your defence is then disorganised and the attack has opportunities to find the space. So the quicker your ruck speed can be, the more disorganisation in the defence and the more opportunities you're likely to be able to capitalise on. Ireland had the most average rucks per game with over 100, the still high success rate still, so they're clearing out the most and winning the most, but they also have the fastest average ruck speed of 2.88 seconds per ruck and the most under three seconds in the whole competition. Right. So they were incredibly effective at clearing the ball out and maximising on that disorganisation in the defence. That's really interesting. Can I ask, Ross, just something you mentioned there in terms of... Um possession time it, it did feel a couple of years ago the conversation around rugby and data was uh, less possession is, is, is more success I, I know I've oversimplified that uh, way too I put way too fine a point on it has that changed now? Uh, I think it's relevant to each team and that's exactly the, the correct point if you're talking about France France wanted to play without the ball they've got Sean Edwards as their defensive coach they back their defence so they kicked the ball the most in the whole competition so they wanted to play without it put the ball in the right areas to to gain their territory, back their defence and then capitalise on mistakes. That was their style. It won them the Grand Slam. It's it's the style of many other teams as well, domestically and in European and international rugby as well. But Ireland seemed to be doing something different. And it's very much like an Exeter. When Exeter won the double in in the English Premiership and the European Cup, they keep hold of the ball. 
and they want to play with it and they'll pressure you and it's exactly the same as Ireland. So two distinct styles and you, I guess you can choose sort of which one suits your team best. This one seems to suit Ireland and it's certainly got them some decent level of results. In terms of the, the energy expended here, like what's the, the pros and cons of two contrasting uh, styles here between France and Ireland? Yeah, so I mean, France, I guess their their mantra is sort of um, mitigating risks and they try and score immediately. They score 10 tries within two phases in the championship. So they will put pressure on you, get in the right areas and when they get the ball, they'll strike and they'll strike straight away, which is great and they can do that and they did do that. I guess the risk of that is if you don't, you're constantly giving the ball away to your opposition. And if you can't pressurise them enough, you're giving them opportunities. We did see this, obviously, France beat Ireland, but it was a very close game. Both teams didn't necessarily play as well as they had done the rest of the tournament. They probably cancelled each other out a bit. Whereas Ireland sort of take everything into their own hands. They have control of the ball. They have control of the possession and they are trying to put pressure on you in attack rather than in defence, which I guess is the key difference. Both both fair, both relevant styles, both both successful styles. It just sort of depends on your team and the players you have and uh, and the sort of culture and, and style that you want to play. Well, on, on that then, so how important is the out-half to Ireland's system in terms of, you know, we spoke about it yesterday, that making that gradual change away from Sexton as he gets older. How much is the out-half part of that whole system? Well, yeah, huge for me. I mean, perhaps even more so would be the, you know, Jamison Gibson Park playing a, a more... Um, integral role this Six Nations that he started every game I believe um, that his speed to the breakdown is obviously linked there's so much involved in that there's the ball carry in the first place the presentation the clear out and then the nine or the first arriver to play the ball away I think it's that speed in that instance from the nine which is the most important factor for Ireland certainly from the stats Johnny Sexton I think can still sit there and control the game being the age he is he's still the best ten that Ireland have um, as that changes, as he gets older and older, then maybe that might become a factor. But for me, it's it's the role of the nine, everybody inside him, which gives him the time and space. He doesn't necessarily have to be quick himself. He has he has very quick speed of thought, um, and that's a, that's an important factor. Once he has the disorganisation that was created by the players around him. Can I ask that about uh, red zone efficiency? Because that's the, the next thing we wanted to touch on here. The, I presume the number of mistakes that you're talking about with Ireland does bring that efficiency down. Uh, they were the best in the tournament. Right. So whether it did or not, th- that might they might have been even better. I do think as okay. well, obviously, the Italy game has to come into some consideration that those stats inflated Ireland a little bit. So that they were top. So they had the most entries into the red zone, averaging over 12 a game. They averaged the most phases whilst they were in there. So that links into their pressure game that they wanted to keep hold of the ball and just sort of batter the door down. They averaged over 30 phases per game in the opposition red zone. And then their efficiency, which is uh, measured as points per entry, was 2.66. So again, there's an average across the whole tournament. That is really good return, averaging nearly three points for every time you get into there. That was first as well. So that is a huge factor in terms of them converting everything they've created. Your quick ruck speed, your carries, your meters, your breaks is fantastic. It creates the opportunity in the first place, but then you've got to go and convert that. And then Ireland did that. Their efficiency was fantastic. When you go into the red zone, it even steps up a level and they did manage to come away with points. One question uh, I think every Irish person had after the France game was around Ireland's decision uh, to go for the post rather than the corner when they were, th- were within uh, seven points. It was six points, I think, at, at the time. Um, 
is there is rugby moving towards a place where it's getting like the NFL where there are going to be uh, it's going to be an analytics based decision when it comes to taking those relevant points is there a, or basically what I'm asking is it getting to a point where there's a right or wrong answer to these sort of debates uh, right or wrong perhaps is really tough but I guess you can be guided by the stats and by the outputs that, that your previous experience have um, I guess if I, I link that in uh, is whether that's worth going to the corner and trying to get a try if even if you convert it you're going to get seven points if you've got a guaranteed three points pretty much in front of the post you only need to score twice two penalties for every sort of converted try to make that a worthwhile payoff so effectively also what you're saying is you've got to score one in two times that you go to the line out to make that payoff just about worth it you know you could score mm. five you could score seven well, so, the, 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 the shot conversion like percentage that come up on the screen now. Can you can you tell? Would it be possible for somebody to tell in a in a situation where it's not a certain three points? Well, what's the actual? What's the op, What are my two options here, and which one is best? Yeah, in terms of the goal kicking percentages that came up on screen during during the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's interesting. It's not very accurate, if I'm honest. It's not very accurate to the place of the pitch where those players are. It's historical for every single player who's ever kicked, so it's not right. necessarily relevant to that guy. But it might be something that that comes into factor. I would have I would have thought they would have done all that previously rather than um, during the game. A kicker like Johnny Sexton of the experience will know sort of you know is this a touch and go? Is this a fifty fifty kind of kick? And that will that will have a factor of their decision making, of course. And I think that would come from the experience on the pitch and perhaps some preparation before of what's most worth it. Again, I'm linking this into a Premiership in Exeter just because mm. they were so successful. They kicked to the corner every single time, knowing the fact that they would probably score on average at least once every two times they did that. Therefore, they would average more points than if they took the penalty. So it's just down to your team and whether you, you have that skill set, I suppose. Well, that brings us very nicely on to the final point and the sources of tries, because your uh, data is saying that there were fewer tries from malls is that because people are going to the corner less? Is that because of new rules? Is it, what, what, what are you seeing here? Yeah, so the actual stat is there were zero tries scored from right. Wolves in the entire competition. That's never happened before. And just to contextualise that, there were a couple, there were three from all teams where they broke off from Moors and scored. So Josh van der Fleer versus France went through. Dan Sheehan broke off for one. There were two from Ireland. There was one from a Scotland player, I believe. Um, but they don't necessarily count as the mall going over. I think by them breaking off, they realised that the mall was stopped and it wasn't going anywhere. They needed to do something else. And, and yeah, great, they got the try. But not a single mall went over the try line, nor was it given a penalty try. In the entire competition, which is which is amazing to me, never seen something like that before. And when we talk about power game and percentage of choice and options and going to the trial going to the corner for sort of sort of a pushover it almost renders that a bit uh pointless because nobody got over the try line at all from a mall but what that says to me is that the way the teams are going about their tries has changed i definitely think the the law change with being held up over the line affects this that it's actually such a big risk I'm not entirely sure about it. I don't think it necessarily rewards the attacking team. I get the point that they're trying to make it more expansive, which it has, and I'll come on to that in a second. But I think it's it's too damning if you get over the opposition try line, which is a huge thing, and just you're held up, mm. that you don't have to start again from you know your 40 meter line with a kick out. Um, but it certainly has made a fact. It certainly has addressed and changed how teams go about this so much so as well. Another stat we can we can match um, or look at how many tries came from a set piece in total. So 
line out scrums and also restarts are included in that or anything broken play so turnovers kick receipts counters anything like that would be broken play and for the first time in the six nations history more tries were scored from broken play than set piece right so it's gone 52 percent of broken play and 48 to set piece and I know that's a very small change, but it's the first time it's even gone that way. Very typically, you would see teams and leagues and competitions having somewhere like 65% tries from set piece. So actually flip so much is a huge, huge change. And I really think it's a, a measure of the teams who are changing their styles. And on that, just lastly, I'll just mention, so only England and Ireland scored more tries from their set piece in the whole competition. Everybody else, every other team backed their broken play attack, utilised the sort of disorganisation that was created already and scored straight away from broken field. Only Ireland and England used that set piece to score majority of their tries. That's really interesting. So like, well, I guess that just really whets the appetite for Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere going toe-to-toe this summer then when traditionally we would have been like two very contrasting styles. The game has changed up here quite a bit. The game definitely has, definitely has. I think, again, the laws have made a big factor in that but it may just be the evolution of rugby the mm. teams are doing this at Harlequins in the Premiership last season New Zealand forever um, are, are showing that you can do this you can play this style of rugby you can take the lead you can have control of the ball and, and put your attack onto the opposition and still win games you know for a long time yes that was great and it looked great and everyone's talking about super rugby touch and you know all this kind of thing but it's also very successful it's proven to be very successful France are the most attacking open team of the competition they want a grand slam so it's shown that it can be done and I think yeah the, the change is here Ross really interesting stuff as ever thanks a million for being with us pleasure thanks cheers Ross Hamilton there on the line he's an independent rugby performance analyst working with BT Sport and he's also a former Saracens and England analyst um, that's pretty fascinating stuff yeah um, absolutely like that is it, it, it's, it's mad now even when you look at the, the, the players with all the GPS stuff and that and uh, the you know, you'd always hope that um, kind of sport holds on to the, the intuition of the coach and looking at somebody that's not all about the the, the figures and the numbers. But uh, at the same time, maybe rugby is slightly in its infancy in terms of this stuff. Like that's really fascinating stats. Sir. Yeah, and I, I guess like what I could see is so, so from a moment like that. Say if we go back to the France example because it's a very very good one. It's a good example because yeah. I think it would have divided people right at the time. And in hindsight, fair enough, it was probably the wrong call. But like at the time, what was the right call? It's the, it's the most equatable situation we've had to like say like a late playoffs game call in the mm. NFL where it's like they should have gone for the extra point mm. or they should have gone for them fourth down or whatever. That I wonder are we going to get to a stage where uh, I don't know the 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 backup out half or the kicking coach is has an earpiece in from the analytics guy and then it's a, running in 51% A 49% B so yeah no. yeah. I, I won't, I'm, I'm not sure it's it's obviously a completely different sport way way more open it's not it's not um, a set of downs and you're not off the pitch for half it's where, where you're constantly being fed information so it is totally different but it's really really interesting his point yeah. about France being like basically kicking the ball a lot and like it's it, 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 I love watching France so it's mad yeah. that you can marry that sort of pragmatism with their, their own style of DuPont or whatever when they actually have it for sure